Welcome to episode 31 of Behaviorally Speaking, a podcast featuring board-certified behavior analysts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. On this episode, they'll talk about the importance of developing conflict resolution skills and a variety of strategies to teach those skills to kids. And now, here are your hosts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. Hello, and welcome to our 31st episode of Behaviorally Speaking. I'm one of your hosts, Angela Nelson, a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of two. And I'm Kristen Bondi, also a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of three. Hey, Angie. Hey. <laughs> I feel like I can't even start it this way. I need to come up with a new... Angie, how are you? <laughs> I, know. I know. After 31 times of this, I know. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to mix it up. Oh, how are you? Are you surviving the cold front? I need to know. Oh, yes. The 50 degrees in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are basically icicles over here. So we're just, you know. <laughs> no, it's actually fun. I was just talking to my sister-in-law. We're going to get rain again this weekend. We're oh. going over there to watch a play, like a winter play. And then we're going to do dinner and stuff. And it's going to rain. And we're like, oh, my gosh, it's going to rain. It's going to be so cozy. And, you know, we're just like trying mm-hmm. to enjoy every every ounce of rain and coziness. So, cause you know, right. it's very rare for us. <laughs> Do you guys have fireplaces? Um, yeah, we have fireplaces. <laughs> Is that a weird question? So like I, so now I live in Florida, obviously, and people that come to visit me are like, why do you have a fireplace in your house? Like it's always so hot here. And so people are baffled by it. And I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's quite normal to have a fireplace. <laughs> No, I think if your home is built after a certain year, don't quote me on this. I think you can't burn wood in your fireplace or something. There's some ah, rule about that. But um, yeah, we don't, we never use our fireplace. It's just kind of more for, you know, display. Right. It's just to look pretty. <laughs> yeah. And to but, decorate your mantle. Yes. Yes. To hang right? stockings on it. So. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, we do. We do. Fireplaces do exist in California. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, oh. should we, should we get into it? Our yeah, topic let's today. Do it. This is a good one. I'm really excited for this one today. Yeah. So today we are talking about kind of diving more into relationships and friendships for our kids and specifically around resolving conflict, which mm-hmm. is something that you cannot avoid. It is definitely something that everybody comes into contact with when they're kids and continuing into adulthood. So, you know, what is this? It's, it's kind of, it's basically when I was doing my research, it's kind of boiling down to a challenge to the way someone acts or, or thinks, right? It's, it's a, it could be a physical conflict. Sometimes we see that more with kids, um, Mm -hmm. verbal conflict, people are not agreeing. They don't like what you're doing or what you're saying and so on. And, you know, this is something that you cannot ignore. This is a skill that we oftentimes have to teach somewhat mm-hmm. systematically or, or explicitly for our kids. It definitely will impact our relationships when we get older. And it is a social skill that, that we have to learn. So, you know, one of the things we'll talk about today too is teaching negotiation skills, te- teaching compromise. Um, these are really those lifelong skills that are worth diving into with our kids. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's so important. And it's it's really important to mention that we have to teach the skills because eventually at some point you're going to be faced with conflict, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like as parents with really young kids, it's so easy to try to solve all the problems and resolve all the conflicts. But at some point that comes to a head and you're like, wait a second. Oh no, my kids need to learn how to do this for themselves. And so I, I think this is a really important topic for us. And before we get into the tips, we wanted to talk a little bit about some prerequisites to conflict resolution. So like I just mentioned, we can't just expect kids to to resolve it, right? So, hey, go fix that. Go resolve that conflict with your sibling. Go, go, go. And a lot of times we, we want that to happen, but we definitely have to teach some things first. So one of those being emotions, right? So in order to properly resolve conflict, you have to understand your own emotions. So we'll get into that one in a little bit. We also want to help kids understand how to advocate for themselves, right? So not just uh, being able to just give in each time, but maybe saying, hey, I didn't really like that, or I didn't like the way you said that to me, or I get Mm -hmm. a turn too, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, coping strategies, which this one, we I think we've done a podcast on emotional regulation, I'm sure. But definitely when we're thinking about resolving conflicts, you have to be able to cope and and understand how to deal with that internal feeling when you're when you're having a conflict with somebody. So mm-hmm. yeah. all really important things that you have to work on before we can expect our kids just to resolve conflicts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like what you said too, I'll, I, I want to just mention you, you said something a little earlier that, you know, piqued my interest and, and I think would for a lot of families too, which is you can't just always jump in and solve the con- conflicts for your kids, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make sure they have the prerequisite skills to teach them, help them practice, and then have them start doing it. Cause this day and age we have we have this society of a lot of helicopter families, helicopter parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> way more than back when we were kids in like yes. the eighties, you know? So, uh, I think this is something for parents to take note of. It's, it's something we want to teach and then we fade it back and let them mm-hmm. handle it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So when we want to teach these prerequisites, there's a few ways that we can do that. So again, before we get into understanding the strategies here, we, we want to get arm you with some ways to teach those prerequisites. And my favorite thing to recommend to families is books. So there's all kinds of storybooks that talk about conflict resolution, of course, but talk about emotions and ways to advocate for yourself and definitely coping strategies. So you can lean on books. And then, of course, there's TV, there's role play. So you can I, I usually coach families on role-playing it out with maybe even your stuffed animals or your Mm -hmm. cars or something that you have around that we can practice some of these things Mm -hmm. leads into the next one, which would be practice, right? So let's learn how to do it. Let's practice doing it. And then something related here is to model empathy, which I think can go a really long way. So we're talking about conflict resolution, obviously we want to model that, but it can be really helpful to model empathy so that your child can then learn that skill. So you could say something like, it sounds like you're having a hard time with your friend today. I can see you're frustrated. Tell me more about that. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's a really good way to just start teaching, understanding their emotions and, and helping them get to the bottom of it so they can cope and advocate for themselves. Yeah, no, I love that. Definitely. I feel like we integrate modeling into every one of our podcasts. Yes, so I think so. Cause it's really important. Your kids yeah. are always watching you always, yeah. even when you think they're not, <laughs> they're watching. 
I feel like we should do a podcast on just modeling. Yes. <laughs> like all the different yeah. ways to do it. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. a good idea. Yeah. Well, so moving on and kind of building off of that, the prerequisites and general ways to teach, let's dive into some of our strategies uh, around addressing conflict resolution. So the first one is teaching our kids to say, I'm sorry. Mm, <laughs> this is a one. Yeah. I would say this is also one that we want to think about modeling for too. Mm-hmm. I think it was a recent podcast where I mentioned this. I know I talked to parents about this a lot, which is sometimes parents feel like if they are saying they're sorry to kids, that their kids will lose respect for them, or it will appear like they're on the same level and so on. But it's actually mm-hmm. quite the opposite. It's teaching respect. It's teaching that, hey, we can be humble. We can say our, we are sorry. Um, and that actually goes, an apology goes a long way. And mm-hmm. it can help to definitely uh, diffuse a conflict situation. So, you know, like you were mentioning before, modeling, getting into teachable opportunities, thinking about ways that you can do role plays. So teaching our kids how to do an apology, how, what an appropriate kind of genuine apology actually looks like. Mm -hmm. And we can pick out books and and TV where we've observed conflict occurring so that they can get some additional uh, models and in different contexts and see what that looks like. Um, I know that some families will also help their kids write an apology. Sometimes that's a little bit more comfortable it can be hard to put yourself out there and be a little vulnerable and say, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. Sorry. That was, that was my fault. My bad. So mm-hmm. maybe practicing an apology in writing might be good. Um, and making sure to include the, how can we make this right? Or how can I make this right situation? That's part of a genuine apology. It's not just, um, what's the, the, you know, kind of stereotypical <laughs> blah apology. Like, I'm sorry, you're failing this way. <laughs> you know, that's not really going to do much. So thinking about ways to teach, I'm sorry, what that really means, how to be genuine, what that looks like can be a good way to bulk up your conflict resolution skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. And I was just thinking back to just, I don't know, everyone has pet thieves, right? And one of mine is when someone gives like, just kind of a Oh, an apology like that. Like, I, I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings were hurt. I'm like, wait a second. Are you? <laughs> Cause it doesn't sound like it. So I yeah. think it's so good. And I think kids can almost do that naturally and not, not intentionally. Right. Like, well, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Your feelings were hurt. And it's like, well, wait a second. What happened to hurt those feelings? You know, what can we do better next time? So I think yeah. there's a lot of, of, uh, teaching moments that might happen there. If your kids do respond that way. Right. So yeah. I love that one. I think it's so important. Yeah. 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 So moving on to the next one. So we, of course, want to help our kids apologize when they need to, but we also want to help kids stand up for themselves and, mm-hmm. and express their feelings and emotions and, and really just resolve a conflict in a more productive way rather than whatever they might want to do, right? <laughs> Run yeah. off, yell at somebody. So This one is not really an acronym, but you could call it that because there's four parts to it, but the the letters are S-N-E-S. So, I mean, I guess we... Sneeze. (laughs) There you go. Everyone's going to remember that now. Sneeze. Um, So the the first one is state the behavior, and then you want to name your feeling. And of course, this is where those prerequisites are going to come in because well, you have to know the feeling. What are you feeling in that moment? 
and then explain your feeling and then state what you would like to happen. So this is something that you can teach your kids when these conflicts arise. So we could write out sneeze (laughs) and then write it out for them and then help them use I statements also, because as we know, the you statements or you did this or you did that or you must be this, or you must be that can come off really accusatory. So, mm-hmm. and the other person's probably going to be on the defense. So we want to help our kids with that. So an example might be, you borrowed my lipstick without asking, which would be the behavior, right? And then that made me feel angry because you didn't ask my permission. That's the feeling and why you feel that way. And then I would like if you ask me next time before you take it. And that would be stating what you would like to have happen next time. Instead of saying like, you know, how could you say that in a non-I statement? Like, don't ever take my lipstick again. You're a thief. You're a thief. How dare you? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So obviously this is a situation that takes practice, but especially with young kids, we might be able to write out that acronym and then help them when they reach a conflict, say, okay, well, let's use the sneeze mm-hmm. <laughs> acronym and, and what can we do here? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can use that with my own kids. They, they mm-hmm. must've gotten this word from a movie, but my younger daughter the other day told for my older daughter, you're a crook. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you're, stuff, you're a crook. <laughs> so, like, okay, where, what, you know, old, old fashioned movies are you watching? No, so, right? A crook. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, no, I like that one. Um, okay, so going on to our next one, I, when we were doing our research, I really, really liked this one. And I think this is a, it's such a valuable skill for kids talking about finding and teaching our kids to find common ground. Mm-hmm. So, going beyond that, it's, How can we teach our kids to practice brainstorming solutions together to get to a place? I think at this age, kids are so rooted in kind of their into justice, right? No, I'm right. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. This is the way it goes. It's very kind of cut and dry. But this is one of those skills that's going to be helpful for adulthood. How can we find some sort of compromise in a way? Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. yeah. So one of the kind of, I guess, concrete solutions or strategies would be helping our kids make a color-coded list of solutions from their perspective. So they've got one color for their perspective, and then they put their peers' perspective in another color. And you can kind of just make this up. You can practice a argument or something and you've got your position and they have theirs. So they lay them out. Theirs is maybe blue and yours is green or something like that. And then have them tell the story from the other person's perspective. So it's kind of like they're doing a perspective-taking exercise. They're stepping into their friend's shoes and they're arguing that point of view. I liked this because this reminds me of my old um, kind of counseling internship days where you Mm -hmm. do those sort of like empty chair strategies and you argue the, you know, the other, your, whoever you're upset with their side. And it's a really effective strategy for empathy taking and, and kind of just seeing the bigger picture and mm-hmm, getting right. out of your own kind of, you know, head. And that can really help to find some, some common ground where you're arguing their perspective and not so much that you agree with it, but you can kind of start to see like, okay, yeah, I, I can pick out that I agree with this part. So, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love this. And this is, you know, when we were doing this research, I was thinking, okay, not only are our parents going to find this valuable with their kids, but I think this is helpful in any interpersonal relationship you have. Like, right? Like, or a spouse. 
yeah, I'm sitting here imagining like, maybe I need to start trying this (laughs) over here. I think it might be really helpful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, I love that one. I think it's great for all ages too. So I think it's a really valuable skill. So the next one is actually probably very closely related and might take a deeper dive into why it's important to find the common ground and how we can do that. So as Angie had mentioned, a lot of kids might be in that my way or the highway approach, right? And so there is a challenge here with being flexible. So we want to teach our kids how to be flexible within a conflict. And of course, this is going to be really important because if they're able to be flexible, then it's going to help ease the tension and and really make that conversation be more productive versus my way or and that's it, right? I'm not going to bend here. So I think it's really important that we want to teach taking the other perspective. And one way that you could do that, which I think might be a nice stepping stone here for families is to ask your kids or your teens, if they've ever been in a conflict with someone who wasn't flexible, right? Mm -hmm. So almost putting them in that situation and then saying, well, how did it make you feel when you were trying to work with this person who just wouldn't budge at all Mm -hmm. and really help them see it and visualize it? And then say, well, and did you want to work with that person again? Or did you want to resolve another, try to resolve another conflict with that person again? And more than likely, the answer is probably going to be no, right? And why is that? And, and really, I think sometimes, again, taking that other perspective, if they put themselves in the shoes of the other person who might, be, who might have been battling them, then it might be helpful. So yeah. I think that's a really great way to teach how to be flexible within that conversation. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the perspective taking is such a valuable skill for mm-hmm. kids and adults, let's be honest. <laughs> yep. You know, and no one wants to think that their position isn't the right one or they, you know, I think a lot of times kids just don't, it's not really in their vocabulary to consider that maybe um, they are being the ones that are sticking the stake in the ground and not mm-hmm. budging, you know, and it's hard for them to, to see those different things. So it's a great way to kind of, um, I guess, pan out and help mm-hmm. them see things from a different perspective. Yeah. Flexibility. Right. So important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the next one, this also kind of goes into a fairly common kind of like counseling strategy that anybody can use and it's active listening. So mm-hmm. active listening really is more than just hearing the words that the person is saying, but also hearing the message, like getting the, the gist of what are they saying? You don't have to agree. Active listening does not mean that you're agreeing, but you are showing that you're listening. And it might be helping kids do things like nodding their head or saying, uh-huh, you know, having some sort of acknowledgement that they are actually listening to the person, not just thinking about their rebuttal in their mind. You know, we all have done this, yes. but <laughs> that doesn't result in, you know, some success when you're in a conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you could go, some kids are able to do this, this next step of reflecting back what they heard. So I, I try to do this actually in, in our home. And sometimes I know from my perspective, if I am having an argument with my husband, for example, um, it's not so much that I want to be right. I just want to be heard. I just want him to understand what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. I think that 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 happens quite a bit is I just want to be understood. You know, right. so if you reflect back, like I I heard you say this. Is that right? Is this what I'm understanding that, that you're feeling is you want X, Y, and Z, or you don't think it's fair because of X, Y, and Z. And then you can 
oftentimes automatically just see the other person relax a little bit. Like, yes, that's what I'm saying. Good. You Mm -hmm. get it. You understand. And that can really help to diffuse the conflict. You may not agree, but it definitely helps to take it down a notch when you can see the other person's perspective. And then you're kind of disarmed a little bit and they are too. So you can more easily get to maybe a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's so important. And I think it goes for kids too. Like us as adults, of course, want to be heard, but Mm -hmm. kids do too. And I think a lot of times kids might feel shut down if we don't actively listen to them, right? And so it's like, oh, you never hear me. You never listen to me. And that's something that I I think a lot of kids express to their parents. So Mm -hmm. definitely actively listening with your children for sure. And then I think the other side of this too is sometimes you or your child, if you're trying to teach them to actively listen, they may reflect back and it's wrong, right? So it's like, what I'm hearing is this. And then they're like, no, that's not at all it. But I think, right? So I feel like that's a really good way to really make sure that you're understanding the conflict because you Mm -hmm. could be hearing it totally wrong also. That's such a good point because tone and, Mm -hmm. you know, or you're just, you're putting your own spin on it and they're like, no, that is not at all correct. And then you could, you could completely get rid of the conflict right then and there because it was just a miscommunication. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the next one here kind of pushing us through resolving those conflicts, there are other barriers that come into play sometimes for kids when they're trying to resolve conflicts and receiving feedback can be one of those. So sometimes somebody might give you some feedback that you're, you're not really wanting to take, right? And so I get this question a lot from parents who say, you know, I'm trying to give my child some constructive criticism here, but I'm finding that anytime I try to get in or I critique or the teacher points something out, they have a big meltdown, they get really upset. And then in this situation, what ends up happening is parents actually don't do that then, right? So then they're like, ooh, wait, hold on. I'm not going to give any feedback. I'm not going to give any constructive criticism here because I'm too afraid of how my child might respond. Yeah, the blowback. Right. Mm -hmm. But the challenge here is then your child is not learning how to take that criticism appropriately. So then maybe if a peer or a friend or a sibling or a teacher gives them criticism in certain areas... They don't know how to respond because they haven't practiced it. Mm -hmm. So this one's super important. And when I was looking this up, it it goes back to, which we've talked about before on another podcast, is growth mindset. So if your child can have that growth mindset, like, yes, I can learn, I can improve versus Mm -hmm. that fixed mindset, then they're actually going to be able to take that constructive criticism And then they'll say, oh, yes, I get it. That's great. Thank you for that. And they're going to firmly believe that it's going to make them better and stronger and smarter depending on the situation. So I think that it could be really helpful to start teaching growth mindset if we want to help our kids resolve conflicts. Yeah, I love that. That's great. I mean, I think that's another skill that we don't inherently think about as parents. How do we teach receiving feedback. It's Mm -hmm. such an important thing to do. And you, you can recognize it when people like we have, you know, people on our team that are so great at taking feedback. They're so receptive. And I'm just like, wow, Mm -hmm. that I'm so impressed by that person. And I wonder about that. How did that person, how did that person came to, you know, how did they come to be this way? You know, and, but Mm -hmm. you don't really think about going through those motions when you're a parent teaching your kids. So yeah, it's a great reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next one, we've just got a couple more. Um, 
This next one is teaching our kids to take ownership. And I mentioned Mm. it before, you know, it could be as simple as teaching kids and maybe teenagers saying something like, ah, my bad, you know, or acknowledging when you're, when you're incorrect or you made a mistake. Um, that's a lesson in humility and people like to save face. People don't want to look wrong or in, yeah, in the wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, if me on the other side, if someone takes ownership, I have so much more respect for that person. You know, we all know that that person that always makes excuses. It's never their fault. And that's just frustrating, right? Mm -hmm. They can never be, you know, they can never be uh, wrong. So teaching ownership and and helping kids kind of get past some, maybe some embarrassment to, hey, you're going to be respected. This is actually going to be a great life skill when you're older. People do appreciate it when you take ownership I mean, we do this at work all the time, right? Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? Sorry, I dropped the ball. I'm going to make it better. You totally respect that person more. Mm-hmm. And then you can move right. forward because every, you know, yeah. So it's one of those great skills to start early and, and teach. It, we know it's hard, but we can model it ourselves as parents mm-hmm. too. Yeah, this is one that I think what's what's closely related here is teaching your, ch- your child that failure is okay. Because a lot of times I hear parents telling me, like, my child has a hard time taking ownership, but maybe deep down, it's because they don't, like you said, they don't want to admit that they're wrong, but the but there's deeper feelings there. So it's mm-hmm. like when I feel like I, I do did something wrong, then I feel like a failure. And then that turns into, I don't want to fail and, you know, all of that. Yeah. So really going back into that growth mindset. But I think that if your child has trouble taking ownership, we have to figure out why is that? So mm-hmm. do a little bit of a deeper dive there and try to figure out what's going on and why they really do have a hard time admitting that they're wrong or that they made a mistake. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, which I think leads exa- right into the next one because I think the this one um, comes down to the failure as well and, and difficulty with that and overly competitive maybe. But we have we wanted to talk a little bit about resolving conflict within games or sports mm-hmm. because it's a little bit, it's of course related, but now we're talking about, you know, some of those social interactions that come into your life all the time, but a lot of kids will get so frustrated during games or sports that they avoid it altogether or their peers avoid them because they actually are no fun to play with. So Mm -hmm. this is one that you definitely want to work on with your children if they just have a hard time admitting or accepting defeat, really, you know, if they can't lose a game well, or they, they, uh, you know, kind of yell at their, their teammate because they made a mistake. So with this, we really probably need to take some of this into, into that situation, whatever that situation looks like and practice it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you could envision with your child, you're on the baseball field and here, you know, this happens, your, your player, your teammate throws it to the wrong person. And then you guys get out. How do you handle that? Mm -hmm. Right. And so maybe a little bit of practice and, and role play that with your child. Yeah. And you could even, so if we're talking about board games, another example might be having your child team up with somebody who does well in this area so that they could serve as a role model. So I'm kind of envisioning like the family game and everybody's playing together and then there's one child who's like, this is the worst, you know, and they like flip the board game and everybody's like, ah, you know, so... (laughs) maybe to diffuse that situation, we team up that child with one of the parents who does really well in this area, or even a sibling that does really well. And, and then they could be teammates. 
so they can, maybe they lose, but then they've got somebody else to kind of bounce that off of and lose with, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This happens so often, you know, just Mm -hmm. kids and teens, even adults, you get really passionate about it or really competitive. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But Mm -hmm. when you get so frustrated that, you know, it turns into conflict, that's where it's problematic. I actually Mm -hmm. had a client, a parent that I met with a couple of weeks ago and they had a kind of a preteen boy and he was playing baseball. They actually filmed it and he, he did, he got so upset when, when one of his teammates Mm -hmm. messed up and he was yelling at them and the parents showed him the video afterwards and he was really embarrassed. He's like, I had no Mm. idea that I looked like this. This is is not good. So that kind of video self-modeling, I think was effective for him. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I think it is like you take a step back when you, when you're watching a video of yourself, of course, you know, that's you, right. But it's almost like you're watching a movie. So you're like, wait a second, what I if, if I were, you know, watching another character behave this way, what would I think of them? Right. right? And so then you're like, and that's you. <laughs> so yeah. I really think that's a, could be a really effective strategy for a lot of kids and teens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, so this one is a little bit different, this strategy that we found. And this is great for teens too, where I think we're going to kind of get into a last couple are going to be for teens. This mm-hmm. is about reaching consensus. So it's the fist to five strategy. And we actually have this on our, uh, in our program. So what you can do is let's say you're having a conversation. It could be something like, Hey, we're going to go on a trip this summer. Let's talk about, let's come to some sort of compromise or let's see if we can get to a consensus on where we're going to go. And you basically have a code where, if the person puts up their fist, it means they they don't support the idea. If they uh, and they they're blocking it. If they put up one finger, it means no support, but they're not blocking it. Two fingers is they have some concerns, eh, you know, kind of a little <laughs> bit more neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, uh, sorry, so some concerns are two. Three fingers is neutral. You put up four fingers. I've got, you know, I'm giving you solid support, and five fingers is full on support. So this is a way to maybe not use our words, just use some sort of body language. Everybody can look around to see where we are, kind of where we're leaning. And it's just a different uh, strategy, something to try, something unique to help kind of practice consensus and kind of also check in with ourselves, be a little introspective on, okay, where do I land on this particular topic? And it's not an all or nothing kind of cut or dry thing. It's not, nope, hate the idea or yep, love it. It's like, Mm -hmm. we can see there's some gradation there. So yeah. Yeah. I love this. And I, I feel like this would work so well in big families because in big families, you have all different kinds of perspectives. You have all different kinds of ages. And I feel like I get parents all the time who say like, I just can't please everyone. Right. And it's like, yeah, you, you can't like, there's no way to please everyone. So I feel like this is such a good strategy to see where everybody stands on something, whatever it might be, and then coming to some sort of common ground. So yeah, yeah, this one's super helpful. All right. So, so yeah, so moving on to the, our last one here and still for teens, but I think as kids approach teenager and even preteens, we can start working with them on their history of conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for them to understand what's worked for me, what didn't work for me. And that way, moving forward, we can come up with better strategies to resolve conflicts. And so 
I think with kids, we can do in teens, we can do exactly that. We could say, Hey, let's write this out. Let's, you know, I'm noticing you're having a little bit more conflict in school recently with your peers, or I'm seeing more conflict with that one teacher than we used to. So let's mm-hmm. write this out and say, how does conflict resolution usually work for you? How has it worked in the past? What do you normally do when you get into a conflict, right? And your team might say, well, normally I walk away and I come back to it and that helps. Or I'm the kind of person that I really need to tackle it right away. And my teacher's not like that. And so I think just coming at it from an understanding and of, of yourself, your own perspective, how do you resolve conflicts as a teenager can really help them resolve mm-hmm. conflicts going forward. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. It's, it's a good time. I mean, it's a good reflection point, you know, when have you seen a time or when has there been a time where things actually went well, you know, mm-hmm. right. Um, those reminders of like, don't go below the belt, you know, like you, <laughs> what are some things that are just not going to get you anywhere, you know? So yeah, it's, it's good to reflect. Oh yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's, you could say if your child come or your teen comes to you with a certain conflict, you could easily say, and how did you, how'd you, what'd you do? You know, and your, and your teen's like, well, I told them to, to, you know, (laughs) ship it. Right. And then you're like, well, how'd that work for you? (laughs) You know? So it definitely could be some uh, trial and error there, but helping your teens figure out like, what's the best way for me to resolve conflicts with my peers. That's actually going to be productive and maybe not hurt someone's feelings in the, in the process. Yeah. Yeah. That you can be proud of afterwards and not right. feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Should okay. we do a quick recap? Yeah. So we definitely want to make sure that we teach the prereqs first. So thinking about teaching emotions and advocating for yourself or teaching your kids to advocate for themselves and, and definitely coping strategies using books and TV and practicing and really modeling these behaviors. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Next one, teaching how to say I'm sorry in a genuine way. So definitely important. We want to, if we're resolving conflict, we want the other person listener to know that we actually mean it if, mm-hmm. if we did something wrong. Yes. And then don't forget about the sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> Teach your kids to state the behavior, name their feeling, explain why they feel that way, and then state what they would like to happen. And then next one, find common ground. This is good to help kids brainstorm different solutions. You can have them color code a list of their perspective or their solutions and the other person's and have them actually role play the other person's perspective, get in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And then of course, teach kids how to be flexible so it can help ease tension and keep that conversation productive. Teaching active listening is another one. So not just hearing the words that the person is saying while thinking about your rebuttal, but actually listening and understanding the message and maybe even reflecting back that you heard what they said and that showing them that you are listening, maybe with a head nod. Mm -hmm. And teach your kids to receive feedback or how to receive feedback during a conflict. So you can do this by helping your kids develop a growth mindset. Definitely. Next one is taking ownership. So this one's hard. We got to maybe model it a little bit as adults, Mm -hmm. but just a simple, hey, you know what? That's my bad. I messed up. Acknowledge when you're wrong. It's a hard skill, but definitely an important one for life. Exactly. And the next one, resolving conflict within games. So teaching our kids to resolve conflict during sports and games. And getting down to the last couple here. Fist to five strategy. So a strategy showing a certain number of fingers based on how much you support or how little you support a 
a particular idea. It's just a great way to kind of reach consensus using body language without uh, so much talking. Kristen, you had a good point earlier. It's great for big groups, big families, mm-hmm. and so on. Yes. And then the last one, focusing more on teens, helping your teens figure out how they manage conflict. How have they done it in the past? Did that work for them? If not, what they could do better moving forward. Yep. All right. Should we get into, we haven't done this in a while because we've had some guests. Should we get into a real talk with real moms real quick before we wrap up? Yes. And I've got a really funny one. (laughs) So it's a little bit related to conflict resolution. Although, I mean, it's kind of like my kids every day, you know, my older two are are six and four. So you can imagine the kinds of things that go on over here. Um, (laughs) But so this one happened yesterday, actually. We So my kids each earn a little bit of TV time after they do the things they're supposed to do, right? So my son finishes his homework and all that jazz, and then he gets TV time when I go and pick up the two little kids. So he has his TV time. I leave. I go pick up the little two. My husband's home with him, obviously. And then I I get back, and then my daughter, who's four, she gets her TV time. She doesn't have homework, really. So she gets her TV time just doing, doing the right thing at school. So we get home and and she comes in basically screaming at Parker and she goes, it's my turn for the TV. (laughs) And she like runs full force in. And I was like, hold on. And I stopped her and I said, wait a second. And of course, you know, we talked about before, like not resolving all of our conflicts for our kids. But I think for little kids, we do have to a little bit and, and model the appropriate. So I said, wait right here. Now, what could you do instead? Come in. Hey, Parker, how are you? How was your day? Right. And say, now it is my turn for the TV. Right. So we practiced that a little bit and she's four. So she was kind of like, ah it's my turn. I'm like, yeah, I understand it's your turn, but you can't just come in yelling at him and expect him to just give you the remote, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a learning moment for them, but it's just so interesting, the differences in kids, because no, there was no need for her to come in yelling, but she just did just just for fun. So (laughs) I wonder if something happened at school that got her Got her extra, you know, passionate. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I will say like, if I were to look at this from just history, I feel like he tends to, to hog the remote. He's a remote hog. And Mm. so I think if I were to say, she just particularly for some reason thought, I'm not going to get it by asking nicely this time that I'm, I've got, I have to yell, even though, you know, he's pretty agreeable, but he definitely is like, Mm-hmm. I'll find it for us, sissy. You know, like he kind of just holds the remote, even though they agree on the show. Yeah. So yeah. That's a maybe thing. it's that, but oh, it was just like thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. We've got rules around TV too. Like they each have a day. They alternate mm. days. And if oh, you don't like that. the show, then you can just, you know, go do something else. But that, you know, whoever's day and it's, it's this constant, like whose day is it? Whose day is it? You know, but <laughs> if the other person it's not their day but they wake up earlier our rule is they can finish out their show that they're watching like let's say it's saturday morning cartoons or something Mm -hmm. um even if it's the other child um but the younger one let's say wakes up well she does she always wakes up at the crack of dawn on the weekends of course (laughs) trying to maximize that tv time um Mm -hmm. and let's say it's lily's turn to watch then she's allowed to finish out the show and she you know, Lily should not expect that just mid show, she's just going to turn it off and start, you know, because it's her day. So there's, we have a couple little rules in place like that, Mm -hmm. that make things run a little more smoothly. Mm. 
Yeah, that's such a good one. It's so important because it's, yeah, it's always stuck. You're stuck in that like, oh, but you picked last. No, you didn't. No, I picked last. No, I picked mm-hmm. three. You picked last. And it's, it's so good if you have a really constructive way of doing it. Like, okay, this is your day. You have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? Yeah. So yeah, love that. Oh, just wait. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning so much from you because your kids are a couple years older. So it's like, and it's funny, I, I'm like slowly getting into the things that you used to mention and talk about. So yes. I'm like, all oh, right, I'm already armed with strategies. Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> older too, or the same age difference as mine. Yes. So yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Oh, Never a dull moment ever. Definitely. No. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you everyone for joining us on our 31st episode of Behaviorally Speaking. Our next episode, we will discuss emotional intelligence in children and teens. Until then, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You've been listening to Behaviorally Speaking with Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi, brought to you by Rethink Care. Find out more at RethinkCare.com. You can find past podcast episodes under the resources tab. We also invite you to subscribe, follow, like, and leave us feedback wherever you listen to podcasts. Your feedback helps us prepare topics and content for our future episodes. Until next time, have a great day.